You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Last week, the former director of the CIA said Donald Trump is setting himself up as an unwitting agent to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Trump has made clear in recent interviews that he has great admiration for and little understanding of Putin's Russia uh, foreign policy. The Republican candidate has also said he wouldn't feel beholden to maintaining the allied relationships in NATO if he were president, a statement that plays right into Putin's attempts to bully his way into the Ukraine and other places. Here to help me sort out Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, Russia and the United States is Aaron Reddish, history of profess- uh, professor of history at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. Aaron, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've talked about this briefly before, uh, the, the the relationship between Trump and Putin. What is it? Uh, what is it not? Uh, w- we've learned a lot more since the last time you and I talked about the way Donald Trump sees Vladimir Putin, the way he sees foreign policy, the way he sees the relationship between uh, the United States and Russia. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I guess, and say it's worse, not better. Uh, he's not demonstrating a fuller understanding of these things or policies that would help uh, corner or cabin a pretty aggressive uh, uh, foe, uh, uh, at least in diplomatic terms uh, right now. He's making it he's making it all worse or the things he's talking about would make this all worse. Uh, yes, I guess if um, to Trump supporters, I mean, you could say that, you know, his argument that we need to uh, have a friendlier relationship with Russia rather than one of conflict might, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that. That was actually um, Secretary Clinton's first, uh, first attempt uh, when she was Secretary of State. That said, some of the things that he said about uh, Russian foreign policy have been Erroneous, uh, for example, um, that they didn't invade Ukraine, uh, that they didn't invade Ukraine, uh, that Crimea is theirs, um, that he wants to move away from NATO, that he's not going to defend the Baltics. All of these, uh, in terms of American foreign policy, are things to be um, concerned about. Yeah. Uh, the, the relationship itself between the president of the United States and Vladimir Putin is a very delicate dance, not just because of the uh, cultural and sort of political context of that relationship, but because of the personality that you're dealing with here. Uh, This is a former spy. This is uh, a a very insecure uh, uh, leader. The, uh, The idea of someone who is just as insecure, I think, in the United States uh, chair, sort of facing Vladimir Putin, it just makes me very, it makes me very nervous. Is that is that a, an accurate read? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we could say that Putin is insecure. Uh, he is uh, unscrupulous, uh, maybe untrustworthy. <laughs> Those are worst adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both, um, you know, both uh, Bush and Obama tried to, you know get along with Putin, and they both kind of got frustrated and give, gave up very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if there is a Trump presidency, I would expect something very similar. 
you know, the 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 insecure label I put on him, I think, is 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 about the the sort of machismo that that he sort of uh, tries to uh, embody personally, but also tries to infuse into Russian into Russian foreign policy. I mean, the, the aggressive nature with which he's dealing with uh, Balkan states and other other places in the world really demonstrate that uh, to me that Russia is still trying to prove itself to itself, uh, first and foremost, but to the rest of the world as well. Yeah, so there's this really interesting thing that's going on in uh, the American media where they've created this myth of this uh, bromance between Trump and Putin. Uh And I think we should question this idea of the bromance, that it's not kind of this mutual love. Instead, it's, uh, I would say, it's more unrequited love uh, of Trump to Putin (laughs) because Trump has said that Putin... um, has called him brilliant, and that's actually not true. Uh, Putin <laughs> has called him colorful or flamboyant, uh, which is a, which is a, a big difference and an important difference. Uh, and Trump is not Putin. In fact, the ways that they project themselves as kind of masculinity. Uh-huh. I mean, Putin is much more overtly masculine sure. than Trump is. Trump is much more like the Russian nationalist leader of Vladimir Zhirinovsky rather than Putin. Putin, if you look at his domestic and foreign policy, is uh, pro-church, uh, pro-family, um, believes in strong borders, has a very strong, diplomatic, steady foreign policy unless he feels kind of challenged. These are much more if you will, if you kind of take out a lot of the other stuff, it's a very kind of core Republican values, much more than what Trump is actually arguing for. Trump is, you know, he's had um, mistresses. He's been married several times. Um, He is uh, much more liberal on uh, same-sex marriage. Social policy, Uh, Right. So it's it's not exactly the bromance that that the media is talking about. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Aaron Reddish. He's a professor of history at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We're talking about Donald Trump, who made an appearance in Detroit yesterday, of course, to make a speech about economics. We're talking more about Trump uh, and the relationship with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Uh, But if you want to talk about either subject, uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. It's 313-577-1019. What did you think of what Donald Trump said yesterday? What do you think of his relationship or the relationship he uh, uh, purports to have or want to have with Vladimir Putin. Again, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Alex in Sterling Heights. Alex, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Uh, fan of the program and yourself as well, a lot of the content that you're putting together. Thank you. Uh, so, born and raised liberal. I've voted nothing but blue in presidential races for my entire life. And I find this Trump thing very interesting, especially the treatment, not just the media in general, but really that he receives on NPR in general, I think, is a subset of the media. <laughs> you feel uh, like we're, we're, we're too hard on him? I think some of the language is very interesting and, you know, to coin a phrase, maybe not as fair and balanced as it could or should be. <laughs> and if we listen to the last segment, there was this whole idea of masculinity and comparing and contrasting how 
Um, it just doesn't feel familiar. Uh, and I understand that Trump is a candidate like no other. Yeah. And I appreciated the other day some of the Jeffrey Figer illusions. But this idea of just masculinity, I think we should focus more on not how racist is what he just said, but why does it resonate with people? And sure. why are only some of us viewing it as racist? Yeah. No, Alex, I think that's a great, that's a really great and important point. The context, the substantive context of these sort of outbursts or uh, uh, outrageous statements that, that uh, Trump is making is, is, is far more important than the statements or the actions uh, themselves. Aaron Reddish, talk about that in the context of uh, what you were talking about in terms of this masculine. And I, yeah. we should say, we should be clear, I brought up the, the sort of machismo of Vladimir Putin as uh, an example of sort of the insecurity that I think uh, Russia demonstrates. It wasn't, it was not Aaron Reddish, uh, the, the history professor who was sort of trying to put what I said in context of uh, Donald Trump. But that said, it's, I think to understand Putin, you need to talk about masculinity because sure. his projection of masculinity is, is so part and parcel with how he rules. For Trump, I, I, I mean, gender infuses politics, infuses power. So if we're going to talk about politics, I think we need to talk about gender and how candidates project, especially in the first time that the United States woman, is, right? yeah, uh, <laughs> for a major political party. Yeah. Uh, and how Trump portrays himself is also, uh, be it as uh, the organizer of the Miss Universe pageant, uh, his uh, history of talking about his relationships to women, uh, his, uh, you know, and, and on the other side, his relationship to his daughter, Ivanka, as kind of a, the portrayal of a strong woman. So, I mean, I think talking about masculinity is, is actually very important in this context. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, I want to switch subjects just a little bit and uh, talk about uh, Russia's controversy with doping and the Olympics. Uh, th that certainly was a story leading into uh, the Olympic Games. There are a lot of Russian athletes who aren't there uh, this time, uh, presumably because uh, they wouldn't have met the new doping requirements. Uh, talk about how this plays in Russia and how it affects the games. It, it, for me, it's a little bit of a disappointment that there aren't more ra Russian athletes there. Then uh, you would actually agree with uh, the Russian media. Um, <laughs> so <you> <laughs> uh, it's, it's this really interesting story in the Russian media because um, – because of the recent kind of development of the story of, um, of doping, of anti-doping, because at first, if you remember, the Russian, the whole Russian Olympic squad was banned. Right. And then uh, the IOC uh, has been kind of pulling itself, pulling back on been this. walking that back Right. So now 70% of the Russian squad is, is at the Olympics. So... The Russian state and the Russian media can say that they are both the victims of something of an unenforceable policy uh, and also so they, they're the and also the victors. <laughs> right. And exactly. And the victors. So uh, they were trumpeting their their triumph yesterday uh, in gymnastics where they seized the um, they won the silver medal. Yeah. So uh, it's really kind of this interesting uh, balance. Uh, will what the Olympic Committee tried to do and these new standards, is that going to change behavior in Russia going forward? 
so supposedly in the last six months, it's really changed behavior <laughs> right. that, that they are the model <laughs> citizens and that they're not doping. Um, you know, Russia and actually the former Eastern Bloc has had a storied history of doping. Um, <laughs> they're pretty as, good at it, right? Yeah, <laughs> as has, you know, other other countries. Remember, the United States also had some doping scandals. Sure. Um, but uh, but, but I think the difference is, I mean, it almost seems like it's... Uh, it's part of the culture. State, uh, yeah. state policy. I mean, maybe that's going too far. No, it Russia. isn't. This yeah. actually is yeah. state policy. And if you look at what was going on in Sochi, it was uh, kind of devised by the state um, in rather kind of fantastic proportions. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Aaron Radish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. It's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about just how bad conditions are for the people who live in Rio. Such gorgeous shots, such a gorgeous opening ceremony, but deep, deep poverty and failing infrastructure all over that city. WDIV anchor Devin Skillian was there before the Olympics. We'll talk about his trip to Rio next on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.